Two weeks ago, Noad um, preached on uh, the second half of chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> and um, the takeaway, a takeaway from that was that God has given us his word. As, um, as Don prayed, what a, what a blessing it is to have the word of God in its completed form. And Peter wrote this to, um, to the saints. He says, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you did well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Christ is the grand subject, our good, the design, and the glory of God is the end of the Bible. And so we, <clears throat> we rightfully sang this morning, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Thank the Lord for wonderful words of life. Through it, through God's word, he provides spiritual protection for his children. <clears throat> now add, um, use the illustration of safety gear and really the, the Bible, there's no ad, um, so, um, really, uh, he protects us. He offers um, safety from danger and especially from spiritual dangers. The Lord has not only given his word in its completion, but he's given us, he's gifted his church with teachers who faithfully proclaim his word. And uh, we should value these teachers. In fact, the Apostle Paul instructs us to count elders who rule well worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. He says, uh, Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he says, um, we should recognize those who labor among us and are over us in the Lord and admonish us and to esteem them very highly in their labors, in their work's sake. And so... Uh, we begin our meeting this morning with a note of thanks to the elders um, in their faithful proclamation of the word, in uh, setting a diet here for the sheep. Um, they're the ones who determine what, uh, what word we're going to look at each week. And uh, so thank you, brothers, for your, your diligence as elders. Last week... There was a definite change of tone in Peter's writing, and in um, 2 Peter 2, uh, verses 1 and 3, we read, There will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. Many will follow the destructive heresies that, uh, that these false teachers bring. You know, the, the, the devil is never so diabolical as when he has a Bible in his hand. You know, the, the devil uses the Bible and he, uh, he works through his false teachers. These false teachers are counterfeits, counterfeits, um, 
The false teacher doesn't wear a badge, says, uh, I'm a fake. But uh, instead, the badge the counterfeit wears is, I'm the real deal. I'm the, I'm the authority. I'm the, the teacher, okay? And uh, he, he misrepresents the truth. Thankfully, the Lord has given characteristics of the false teacher that we can use to identify them when they come in. David um, stressed the, um, the ability to look at a $100 bill and see, uh-oh, it's a fake. I'm not going to accept this from my customer. And, uh, and to realize, uh, yeah, I've got, the real, I got a real uh, bill, bill here from someone else. My coworker last week asked about the subject of today's message. And when I told him that it was about false teachers, he, he registered surprise. He, um, he was either not aware that there were false teachers or he wasn't aware that God's word spends so much um, on identifying and avoiding false teachers. Okay? So um, we, we want to stress that this morning. If we don't expose the false teachers, they will run rampant. They will destroy uh, assemblies, they will confuse the saints, and they will turn um, seekers, turn those who are seeking the Lord away from the Lord. And so uh, we need to pay attention this morning. Amazingly, the characteristics that Peter gives this, this morning, gave last week and gave this morning, are still accurate. They're still current 2,000 years later. The false teachers are still at work, still pounding away, and... Um, uh, Satan hasn't abandoned his tactic. To help in our understanding of the word today, the passage that we look at addresses, it, it, um, it talks about only two kinds of people. There's the, um, there's the false teacher, and there's the unsaved um, victim of the false teacher, his intended victim. That's going to uh, put to rest some, uh, some worries that the believers have that they could be uh, separated from Christ. They cannot be separated. We're dealing with false teachers and their intended victims, uh, unsaved victims today. By way of illustration, I'd like you to think of um, the life of a young fellow um, in his, uh, his mid-20s. And um, he's um, begun to feel the sting of guilt for his womanizing and his uh, mistreatment of, um, of girlfriends and their families. And um, he, really, he really feels pain over the wrongs that he's done. And so he, he goes out to the bookstore and he buys a Bible. And he begins reading to find relief only there's not relief. He, um, he finds out that the wages of sin is death. He finds out that um, though he has caused a lot of earthly heartache, it's really against the Lord and the Lord alone that he has sinned. And so the, the weight, the burden of, um, of guilt is heavier still on this, on this young guy. And so he goes, I got to get relief. I got to find some, some relief. So there's the prominent church in town. 
Um, hi, I'd like to make an appointment with a pastor. Could I speak with, uh, with a pastor there? Sure, come on in. Um, such, an, such a day at such and such a time. So the young guy goes in there, and he pours out his heart to this pastor, and the pastor listens intently, and uh, he says, um, don't worry. He goes, You're, it's okay for you to fool around. You can play the field. Don't let sin, don't let guilt um, ruin your life. It's not sin. And so the young fellow leaves the appointment, and uh, he's kind of, I mean, kind of soothed by this, not really, but uh, he walks away. The, um, the pastor is a false teacher because the Lord says to flee sexual immorality. The Lord says fornicators and adulterers God will judge. And the pastor didn't tell the fellow that. He was, uh, he was a false teacher. He was misrepresenting God. For the pastor, God has reserved the blackness of darkness forever. We're going to read. Okay, so what does, um, what does God's word reveal further about these false teachers? Let's go ahead and begin 2 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, actually, you know what? We're going to start with um, what we read before in uh, verses 1 through 3. But there were um, also false prophets among the people, even, even as there will be uh, false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words for a long time. Their judgment has not been idle, and their, destructive, and their destruction does not slumber. Then um, verse 10, uh, partway through verse 10, they are presumptuous, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. But these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. <clears throat> they have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity, a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, 
through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption, for by whom a person is overcome, by him he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. In the interest of revealing these religious frauds and avoiding their toxic influence, we're going to look at this passage under three headings. The first is the false teacher's character, cravings, and conduct in verses 12 through 16. And then uh, second, the false teacher's emptiness exposed in verses 17 through 19. And then finally, the sad end of the victims of the false teachers in verses 20 through 22. The character and cravings and conduct of the false teachers Last week, David listed five characteristics of the false teachers. Go back and review those, please, so that you, um, uh, you know those by heart. And we're going to add three to that this morning. But the first one is corruption. In verse 12, uh, like brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, uh, they speak evil of things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption, and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. Corruption here is um, defilement. um, These uh, apostate religious leaders, Paul, I'm sorry, Peter characterizes as natural brute beasts. They they don't reason. They don't... um, Uh, They don't rationalize things. They're born as mere animals, and they live for the gratification of their bodily appetites. Choosing to live like mere animals, Peter Peter says that they will die as ingloriously as animals and without hope. These um, false teachers speak as experts in the spiritual realm, but they don't know the Lord, and they don't know his word. They receive the wages of unrighteousness. Phillips, in his paraphrase, interprets it this way. He says, their wickedness has earned them an evil end, and they will be paid in full. They earned the wages of wickedness. These teachers are shameless enough to revel, to carouse, to party in the daytime. Years ago, we lived down the street from uh, St. Felicitas Catholic Church in San Leandro. And one one afternoon, I heard this loud music coming from down the street. So um, my next uh, drive down the street, I looked over into the parking lot, and there was a big uh, beer wagon set up in the the church parking lot with with a big party. (laughs) And I thought, huh, that's odd. I wonder if that was a mistake, or uh, perhaps someone had taken over the parking lot 
uh, uninvited. But um, show our first slide, Luke. Then uh, I saw this in the, in the uh, San Leonardo Times last month. Um, Church of the Assumption, hoedown, throwdown. And um, the, um, the church is having this uh, party. The saloon doors open at 5.30. There'll be a bar with Western-themed cocktails. So let's party, okay? Um, I thought that was a, a real example of uh, corruption there. Um, people who are supposed to be teaching God's word, instead they're... Um, underwriting uh, people's, people's corruption. And I, I thought, you know, bad conduct is often accompanied by bad doctrine. And so uh, I looked up the assumption. What is, what is the church emphasizing when they call themselves the church of the assumption? Well, in, uh, in 1950, Pope Pius XII declared the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Simply put, the assumption states that at the end of her life, the Blessed Virgin Mary was taken body and soul to heaven. While this event isn't reflected in sacred scripture, it is clearly part of the church's earliest observance. In the 16th, I'm sorry, in the 6th century, St. John Damascene wrote, and he goes on to explain. Theologically speaking, death is often understood to be a consequence of original sin. Since Mary was conceived without original sin, some theologians have wondered if Mary died or perhaps was taken into heaven without experiencing death. There's all kinds of error in, <laughs> in, the, in the Roman Catholic assumption. Um, men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of Mary, the mother of Jesus. She is both dead and buried. And as with other sinners saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, even though he was her son, her body waits the return of her Savior. Okay? Here at the Church of the Assumption is um, not just a few uh, bad teachers, but a, a church full of bad doctrine. That's corruption. Um, a second characteristic is um, sensuality. It's uh, shamelessness. The um, shamelessness of the false teachers extends to their sexual conduct. A man uh, confided to his friend, he said, uh, I like to go to church meetings to undress the women in my mind. And the friend turned to him and said, you need to get saved. Jesus understands the struggle that um, men go through over temptation, and he prescribes some strong medicine. I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Jesus means for his followers to take severe, drastic action over their temptation. But for these corrupt teachers, there was no struggle. They're not struggling with it. Their eyes are full of adultery. They regard women in no other light. They cannot restrain themselves. 
from thinking this way. Jim Baker founded um, the PTL Satellite Network in 1974. It aired the um, extremely popular PTL Club. Uh, those of us who were watching TV in the 70s, uh, no doubt, tuned in to the um, PTL Club or saw it. Jim Baker preached a prosperity theology. In, uh, in his 1980 book, Eight Keys to Success, he stated, God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be rich. Baker's financial advisor allegedly kept two sets of financial records. <clears throat> he kept um, one for... Um, one for the uh, IRS and one for actually what was going on um, in his organization. In 1988, Baker was convicted on fraud and conspiracy charges along with a uh, sheet full of other charges. Uh, he was charged with sexual misconduct. Um, and recently, Baker has been in the news as a prophet of end-time prophecies. And, um, I recommend that you don't, uh, don't, <laughs> don't read about Jim Baker because um, it just gets weird. Uh, our list of false teachers includes Jimmy Swaggart, Benny Hinn, David Koresh, uh, back, in, um, back in the 80s, I believe. Uh, David Koresh had uh, founded the Branch Davidian and... Um, he died in a shootout with uh, federal agents, um, guilty of uh, financial wrongdoings. Um, his sexual life uh, would be um, not profitable for us. Um, and these, uh, these are all examples of apostate teachers, apostate leaders. They entice or, or um, lure unstable souls. Kenneth Wiest says that unstable speaks of a person who is not anchored securely or who is not solidly on a foundation, doctrinally or experientially. They lure unstable souls. Remember Peter's prayer for the believers in his first letter, may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect Establish, strengthen, and settle you. The same, uh, the opposite of unstable is to be established, okay? Peter's prayer is, I want you to be established in God's word. These religious leaders were not amateurs, but um, our passage says that they were schooled in uh, covetous practices and are accursed children. Corruption, sensuality, third characteristic of these uh, false teachers is um, covetousness, their lust for riches, for wealth. Peter points to Balaam as an example. He says, um, they have uh, forsaken the right way, verse 15, and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved 
the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. Balaam was a, a, a prophet uh, back in the book of Numbers, and um, the king of the Moabites hired Balaam to curse Israel. Israel was coming out of Egypt uh, on their way through the desert to the promised land, and um, uh, Balak was afraid of them. There were so many of them. They were camped right there in the plain of Moab, and so he, uh, he knew ba Balaam was a prophet. I'm going to hire Balaam to, um, uh, to curse Israel. Balaam's response to Balak was, um, to Balaam's, uh, Balak's servant was, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Balaam uh, was noble in this. He said, uh, you know, I'm not going to prophesy any more than what the Lord tells me. Even if Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, huh? Balaam's eyes were on the house of silver and gold. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go beyond the word of the Lord, but uh, that'd sure be nice to have some silver and gold from, from Balak's house. On Balaam's way to, uh, to prophesying, his donkey saw the angel of the Lord, and uh, the donkey fell, and um, Balaam whipped his donkey, and... Uh, um, three times he, uh, he beat his donkey and the Lord uh, gave the donkey human voice and, uh, and confronted, challenged Balaam. And so Peter says that um, uh, the man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet, but it wasn't for long uh, because uh, Balaam's love for, for money would eventually shine through. Balaam represents false teachers whose motive for ministry is financial gain. Balaam hired out his abilities that God had given him. Sure, I'll, I'll do what you want, just give me enough money. These false teachers have forsaken the right way, and uh, we know the right way to be our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Well, that uh, really is the character and the cravings and the conduct of the false teachers. Let's, um, let's look, beginning in verse 17, at the uh, emptiness of the false teachers' teaching. You know, these, um, these apostate teachers can be impressive speakers. They're charismatic. They're persuasive. Uh, we, we see them on TV, and they have a persona. They have... Um, uh, they carry the, the crowd, the multitude. Peter says that they're wells. <clears throat> well, yeah, a well is a welcome sight to a thirsty traveler, but these wells have no water. He says they're rain clouds, heavy with, with moisture, and uh, yet they're, they're carried past by the wind, by the tempest. We... In Northern California, know about drought, and um, especially if you're a farmer in the Central Valley, 
you see these clouds come over and you go, wow, these, uh, these are dark, these are black, they're full of water. Where do they go? Well, they go over Central Valley to, um, to the Sierras and they, they drop their snow in the Sierras, which is, uh, which is great for summer, but uh, the farmers need rain now. Empty wells and rainless clouds can't satisfy. They can't quench a thirst. Contrast with the Lord Jesus at the well of Sychar with, the, um, with a woman there fetching water. He told her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. There's, there's water that, that quenches thirst. I tried the broken cisterns, Lord, but ah, the waters failed. E'en as I stooped to drink, they fled and mocked me as I wailed. Now none but Christ can satisfy, none other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy, Christ Jesus found in thee. For the apostate teacher, the misleading pastor, the Lord reserved the blackness of darkness. They will utterly perish. They speak words that sound good, but they're meaningless. They carry no substance. These um, false teachers allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness. <clears throat> it's not by... Um, alluring people with a better understanding of God's word or a closer walk with the Lord Jesus or a clearer apprehension of the cross of Calvary. No, they're leading through um, casting off restraints. They are antinomians. They are uh, libertines. They, um, they don't sense that they owe anything to the Lord Jesus for, for what he's done. They pursue personal gratification at the expense of others' well-being. An example is um, Robert Schuller. Um, just to read what Wikipedia says about um, Robert Schuller, a highly popular American Christian televangelist, pastor, motivational speaker, and author in his five decades of television Schuller was principally known for the weekly Hour of Power television program, which he hosted in 1970 until his retirement in 2006. Schuller oversaw the construction of two churches in Garden Grove, California, the much larger and more architecturally outstanding Crystal Cathedral, which has a seating capacity of 2,200. Robert Schuller um, was a, a good friend of um, Billy Graham. Sounds good. Next slide, Luke. But here's Robert Schuller's uh, advertisement um, in the local paper. I had to cut it in half. This is the, um, the first half. That's the second half um, to fit the screen. But uh, if you can read that, um, he's got 10 time-tested tips for happiness and he takes them from the, the uh, Ten Commandments. So um, here's, 
here's the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Um, Schuller says, uh, believe the God who believes in you. That's the first commandment. <laughs> what Schuller, let me translate. <clears throat> Schuller says, God really esteems me highly. He, he really values me uh, as, a, as a person, as, um, um, as an expert, as um, someone to be, um, uh, to be valued. And so I'm going to believe in God. He believes in me. I'm going to believe in God. That's the first commandment. The second commandment says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And Schuller's uh, translation of that is a self-image transplant. Go for it. <laughs> are, you, are you perceiving something a little bit, uh, or not a little bit wrong here? And then, uh, 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 thou shalt not bear false witness, uh, commandment number 10. How to get others to hold you in high self-esteem. Where is Schuller coming from? The only mention of God he has in his Ten Commandments are when God is to esteem him. Uh, he believes in Robert Schuller, so I guess I'll believe in God. Okay? It's so self-oriented. It's so self-centered. Do you catch the, false, uh, the falsity of his teaching? He... Um, Schuller was in Garden Grove. That's in Orange County, okay? What threat does uh, Robert Schuller pose for us? We're in Northern California. Well, he's got this, uh, or he had this uh, big uh, power, hour of power television broadcast. He preached on the radio. But the thing that got me um, back in 1989 was... Um, he, he, uh, he published this book, um, Believe in the God Who Believes in You. And um, we all knew it was wrong, um, but I got a package in the mail one day, and it's Robert Schuller's book, Believe in the God Who Believes in You. And I thought, who sent this to me? There's no, there's no return address on here. But the unsuspecting uh, churchgoer is going to open this and go, hey, I got a book in the mail. I got a free book. I'm going, to read. I'm going to read and see what it says. Well, that's how Robert Schuller was getting his message across, was by TV and by radio and by these books. And the really frightening thing about this is the publisher is Thomas Nelson. Some of you don't recognize. Thomas Nelson is the, the one who copyrighted the new King James Version of the Bible. Okay. Thomas Nelson is the one who published Bill McDonald's Believer's Bible Commentary. Why is Thomas Nelson publishing <clears throat> Believe in the God Who Believes in You? They're just, um, they're not discerning. They're not, uh, hello. Um, they're more interested in dollars, I guess, than in disciples. And so it's a problem. We have to watch. We have to... Uh, alert ourselves to the danger in uh, even among our, our publishers. There will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, 
and many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. The, um, we see the emptiness of their, uh, their teaching in verse 19. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. Again, uh, back in the 1970s, the, um, uh, we were uh, fighting in Vietnam and uh, losing. The, um, the North Vietnamese were pumping propaganda to the South, and they were saying, you know, you can throw off the chains of uh, um, Yankee oppression. You can live a better life if, you, um, if you'll just allow us to occupy South Vietnam. Just uh, throw down your arms and let us take over. We're communists. We'll take care of you. Well, I was listening to a, a broadcast uh, recently where they, uh, they interviewed a Vietnamese guide of tours in the old South Vietnam, and uh, he said plainly on the radio, we were wrong. The North Vietnamese promised, and they didn't follow through. They, they said that we would have a better life, and it's no better. Um, it was just lies. It was just deceit. Islam, Russellism, or the JWs, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormonism, they all make these sweeping claims of um, uh, freedom, promises, um, without the Lord Jesus. When it's uh, the Lord Jesus alone who gives freedom to obey God, he gives the ability to obey God and the ability to enjoy the abundant life that God gives. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. We have these uh, false teachers um, offering freedom. They, they come to my door, they come to our door, and they, um, they say, you know, we're going to offer you something really good, but uh, I have the Lord Jesus, and He's, he's given me freedom. You can't offer me any more than that. But I, I see these people, I hear them, and um, I think of them as uh, sticking their arms outside the prison window, beckoning you to come in, saying, hey, uh, come on, come on in here. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm offering you freedom. And they're behind these prison walls. Uh, you drive down the freeway, you look over in downtown Oakland, there's the Clay Street uh, jail with the long, narrow windows, and I could just see one of these guys sticking his hand out going, come on in, come on in, be free. We're going to liberate you. They're deceivers. They're liars. Well, that's uh, something of the emptiness of these, uh, these false teachers teaching, uh, what is the sad end of these victims, those who buy into the uh, deceit of the teachers? Well, in uh, verse 20, we read uh, that they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and, uh, and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, Ken Fleming 
comments, these are unsa unstable, unsaved people who temporarily reform their lifestyle only to be drawn back into immorality through the teaching of these false teachers. They were never truly born again. They were never true believers. Though they knew something of Christ and the gospel, they had not been justified by faith in him. The reformed lifestyle didn't last, and they again became entangled in the pollutions of the world, their old lifestyle. So these, um, these are people who have enjoyed uh, a measure of uh, reformation of their lives. They heard about the Lord Jesus. They, they heard the gospel, and, uh, and yet they haven't, um, they haven't come to Jesus in saving faith. They haven't been born again. They haven't received that new life. And, uh, and so um, these false teachers uh, find them in this reformation state. They're... Um, they're trying to do better, but they don't have the Lord Jesus. And the false teacher is successful in luring them away from the, the way of truth, from the way of righteousness, from the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, Peter says in verse 20 that um, they are again entangled and uh, overcome. Their latter end is worse for them than the beginning, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. The, um, these victims are laboring under their, um, uh, their effort to reform themselves. The false teachers say, uh, don't worry about it. Just uh, do what you want to do. If it feels good, do it. Uh, go for it. And these, um, these victims cast off their restraints, their moral reformation, and they return to their old lifestyle with new abandon and aimlessness and hopelessness. Jesus um, told this parable, and uh, it relates to uh, these victims. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says... I will return to my house from which I came, and when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Better, not, better to have not known the way than to have willingly rejected it. Why? Because um, until... The victim has rejected the way, there's still an opportunity for him to accept the way, to accept the Lord Jesus. And so the, the latter end of this victim is worse than, than when he met the false teacher. And ultimately, the victim may become a false teacher himself. Peter really helps us in verse 22 to understand what's going on here. He says, um, It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. During um, my work from home during COVID, I looked after Jake's dog, Toto, 92-pound <clears throat> uh, black lab mix, and uh, my 
my window overlooked the backyard, so uh, I knew what Toto was doing uh, back there. And um, every once in a while, Toto would get sick, and he'd get sick to his stomach, and he would throw up. And I thought, poor Toto. Uh, I'm going to go out and see what I can do to help. If I wasn't quick enough, Toto would eat his vomit. And uh, <laughs> I thought being sick was gross, but uh, why do dogs do that? They're so disgusting. So I love this dog. He's, he's huggable, he's lovable, um, but uh, I don't want him licking me for a day after that. It's so gross. But it's a picture of what the Lord sees in sin. He sees um, vomit. You, you like vomit? Uh, we had illness here this morning. You like that? Well, the Lord doesn't either. He doesn't like sin. And uh, so he's comparing it here to, to vomit. Uh, the sow, having washed, returns to the mire. Luke? There's a clean sow, a clean pig. Next slide. There's a happy pig. They're different. Okay? So... We scrubbed the sow, we got her all clean, but, um, oh, she really wanted to get into the mire, back to home. Why does a dog return to his vomit? Because that's what dogs do. Why does an unsaved person return to his old lifestyle? Because that's what sinners, unredeemed sinners do. The dog doesn't turn into a sheep and then back into a dog. The dog was a dog at the start and a dog at the finish. Do you get that? We're not talking about a, a follower of Jesus losing his salvation. The dog had a reformation. Um, the, um, the victim reformed, had a reform in his life, but it wasn't a life-transforming reformation. And so after his... Um, uh, dealings with the false teacher, he's right back to where he was, only worse. The pig um, never stopped being a pig. Uh, why, why does he wallow in the mire? Why does he uh, flop around in the mud? Because that's what pigs do. The pig wasn't a, didn't turn into a sheep and then revert back to a pig. The pig was always a pig, Okay. So does that help you uh, clarify what Peter has been explaining this morning, that we're not talking about saved people. We're talking about reformed uh, sinners under, uh, laboring under the law, under the law perhaps. Well, the victim doesn't have to remain a victim. And the work of the false teacher is not final. It's not permanent. And I'm standing before you this morning as living evidence that the Lord can overcome the uh, teaching, false teaching of a, a misguiding pastor to a, a man in his mid-twenties. Thank the Lord for shepherding at Calvary Bible Chapel. Where's the confusion here this morning? Where's the, um, uh, where's the noise, the... Uh, um, the riotous living. Well, I tell you, we've got some elders uh, who do shepherding here, and they're very conscientious, and they're proactive, and they, 
uh, they see a problem, they deal with the problem. And so I thank the Lord for, for elders uh, who take their position very seriously, and that's why we enjoy, um, to a large degree, what we enjoy here. What does the Lord want us to do in light of the truths that we've looked at this morning? Well, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, he wants you to come to him. He wants you to accept him as your Lord and Savior right now. Don't delay. You are at risk for deception. False teachers are out there. They're on social media, internet, TV, radio. They're sending you books. They're, uh, they're coming to you in person, and they're going to sell you their product, and it's not good. For believers, learn to discern between the counterfeit and the real. Um, you talk with a person on the street, you've got a coworker, family member uh, who's um, explaining some things about the Bible, and you want to know if this, uh, if this person has it right. Are you, are you telling me the truth, or are you really misguided in your understanding of the scripture? So let's learn to discern. Second, be on guard. A visitor comes in and uh, um, wants an opportunity to, to speak with others. Where is he coming from? Where is she coming from? Does she know the Lord? Does he, does he speak the truth? We have to be on our guard because there will come through those doors another false teacher. We've already had a couple in the last few months. They're out there. They're, they're looking for a congregation to, uh, to influence. And then, uh, then finally, be a faithful teacher. When you see someone who is, um, is uh, in this process of reformation, I'm trying to make myself acceptable before God, come alongside and say, you know what? You, you can wear your fingers to the bone and uh, never be acceptable to, to God. It's uh, your acceptability through Jesus. He's the, he's the one uh, who makes us uh, acceptable through his work on the cross of Calvary. So be a, be a faithful teacher to those who are uh, trapped in the cycle of uh, reformation and, and deception. Uh, with that, let's pray. Lord, I do thank you for faithful shepherds and teachers. Um, you've given us uh, those, and we want to use their, um, their availability and to praise you for them. Lord, I ask that um, those who don't know you, uh, that person would see his um, susceptibility to, to false teaching and... Uh, that uh, the major reason is just to come to you and be saved and to enjoy eternal life with you, freedom from sin. Uh, and those of us, Lord, who know you, I pray that um, we might be real discerners, that uh, we'd be experts in, um, in detecting counterfeits, and uh, we'd be good teachers too, faithful teachers to those who are suffering as, uh, as victims. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.